Well, Laura, <laughs> I'm wearing a super gay shirt today. <gasps> wow. Don't tease me right now. <laughs> I'm Billie very Eilish fragile. Too. Mercury's in retrograde starting today. It's which means we're all going to make some messy decisions. <laughs> you guys, I'm going to flirt with Laura throughout this entire episode. <laughs> Yay. Yes. <laughs> Love to be flirted with. <laughs> you know who I'd adopt a baby with. <laughs> ah! <laughs> that is the worst flirting. <laughs> I mean, like, I it works. <laughs> Hello and welcome to Season of the Bitch, the leftist podcast where each of us has a mom and a fair amount of existential dread. (laughs) Today we have Hope, Ambria, Laura, and Zoe. And we are talking about antinatalism. What even is it? How does it intersect with other things? Are any of the arguments addressed by overthrowing capitalism? So I actually found out about antinatalism um, pretty recently. I was visiting a friend of mine in Southern California, and she has five kids. And she was telling me that she wanted to move away because she'd gotten so much shit from antinatalists in public. I guess like a, there was a guy wearing an antinatalist t-shirt who was like taking pictures of her and her family and following them around. What the fuck? Um, yeah, it really pissed me off. And she and her whole adorable family are vegan. And one of her kids just like fought cancer and won and is recovering. And I just, I was super pissed off about it. Um, but before that, I had never heard of it. And so I thought I'd use this podcast platform to learn more about it and also see what other smart, amazing, lovely, talented people think about it. So, well, we couldn't get any of those people, but I do have (laughs) Um, (laughs) Oh, my God. Okay, yes. Uh, Okay. (laughs) The term antinatalism was first used um, by David Benatar, um, who's a professor of philosophy at the University of Cape Town. And he wrote a book called Better to Never Have Been, which seems to be the most cited text about this. I did a quick Google um, and there were a lot of fun results that came up. My personal favorite being this WikiHow page that just says how to live um, as an antinatalist, which seems pretty self-explanatory because you just don't have children. But <laughs> the pictures are good. Um, there are also a bunch of articles that come up for Marie Claire, Vice, and Fox. Um, almost all of them just sort of are like articles being like, wow, this crazy philosophy exists. And then they quote like very depressed seeming Reddit users who are like, nothing has meaning, no one should have kids. And they kind of make it seem like a giant movement. But I'm hoping we can dig into it a little bit more um, and talk about what it is and what it isn't. Okay, A, I'm curious about the pictures of people not having babies on the WikiHow. And (laughs) B, can you repeat the title of that book, Hope? How better never to have been. Oh, you did. <laughs> you wanted you me said, to say bean again? I wanted you to say bean. Better never to have been. Better, better never to have been. been. <laughs> have you been a bean? All being. Yes. I've been terrible. <laughs> Amazing. You're going to make me say that again. That's why I try to self-correct. 
kind of I know, it was up. disappointing for me. This is why we can't all date each other. These, like, little things are just going to become magnified. But Don't anyways. crush my dreams. <laughs> uh, just so listeners know, right now we've been um, frantically negotiating the terms of a potential relationship between everybody on the podcast. Yeah, it's going to happen. Yeah, well, well all- out of hope keeps being negative, so... Well. And a third of the hosts are not yet aware of the conversation. <laughs> well, details. Details. Well, the thing about the podcast, there's a lot of us, and sometimes executive decisions have to be made. Yes. Um, Ambria, I'm going to slack you this WikiHow page, and if you feel like it, feel free to talk about some of these images. Ooh. I like this. Okay. I was looking into, like, when we when you first suggested this episode, Hope, I was like, I mean, I guess intuitively I know what that means, but I didn't really, I'd never heard of the term. I didn't really know what it was all about. So, you know, did some research. And um, essentially, antinatalism is believing that there are moral reasons to not have kids. Um, and apparently there's like a really long history of this. It doesn't necessarily have the term antinatalism with it, but there is a long history, like started with ancient Greeks and also probably other groups before that. Um, but there's been a bunch of people throughout history saying that no babies should be born. Um, and the reasoning ranges from like in a lot of different ways, depending on geography, location, reasoning, stuff like that. So like, um, you know, the, the like fundamentalist Buddhists, uh, have an antinatalist perspective. Um, they believe that the world is inherently evil and they attempt to conquer death itself, um, by not having kids. There is the whole wing that I think the David Benatar stands, you know, the better never to have been people um, who kind of (laughs) (laughs) who kind of believe that uh, abstaining from the unconsensuality of willing a human into consciousness. So like the idea that the yet to be conscious human is not consenting to their consciousness, <laughs> which is like, uh, duh. Um, there's also like the really fundamentalist religious ones that are more like abstaining from sex altogether and any sentient beings should not have sex, which is just like, what? Um, but then, um, you know, there's like kind of some more modern things that are wrapped up in environmental impacts and ethics. Um, yeah, but I just thought it was interesting that there there are, have been people who have been, you know, feeling this way for a long time for a lot of different reasons all around the world. Yeah, I mean, like, we get it. Nobody can sense to being alive, and it's absolutely horrific. So what? (laughs) Wow. Although there are, like, spiritual theories that we do choose to be born. So. Yeah. I guess there's that. Oh, my God. Um, These fucking photos. (laughs) Yeah, we need to talk about these photos and the one of a woman just eating broccoli. Yeah. (laughs) <laughs> and then at the next one she's like crying she's not just eating broccoli she is like loving that broccoli there's a whole um like stock image thing of women Laughing orgasmically salad. eating salad yeah and this like definitely <laughs> 
falls into that, but it's broccoli. Um, so for people, if you're still listening to this bananas episode, um, we're looking at the WikiHow page for how to live as an antinatalist, and the pictures are really fun. Would Everybody recommend. should go to it. Um, I, I like the one of two women talking with a bubble that just says antinatalist philosophy, and they're both laughing. Well, oh my god, yes. The pictures are all like white women, and a lot of them have two women talking to each other, and they look either absolutely uh, outraged or ecstatic, depending on the picture. <laughs> Step 11 is don't be a downer. Oh. Just want to say that. <laughs> Um, <laughs> don't be a downer. While antinatalist philosophy is often considered to be against sentient human life, recognition of the misfortune of having being born does not regulate you to dourness, suffering, complaining, or misery. <laughs> oh, Lord. Oh, my gosh. That's well, so if anybody figures out how to do that, let me know. Yeah. How to not be a downer. I have no idea how to do that. Um, you know, I think it starts with a plate of broccoli. Yes. That's what it if looks like. Broccoli could bring me happiness, my life would be much different than it is right now. <sighs> Thanks for going on this weird adventure with me, everybody. <laughs> Thanks um for bringing us. <laughs> so, in thinking about uh, our personal experiences where we've maybe I don't I don't we'll talk a little bit about antinatalism, but also kind of like overpopulation and reasons people just talk broadly about not having kids. Um, but for me with antinatalism specifically, I haven't really run across anybody who w- was espousing that myself. Mm. Um, like saying that they were an antinatalist. Yeah. Or they yeah. feel like no one should ever have kids because just fundamentally anyone having kids is a bad idea, no matter the circumstances. Um, but I was curious about everybody else's experience. Oh, yeah, I've definitely run into those people. (laughs) Yeah, I don't know. I've run into those people, I guess, in a few different arenas, but it's mostly been like the people who are like, the world is so fucked. Why would anyone bring anyone into this? Like, we have such a burden by trying to overthrow capitalism or trying to do this. I don't know. I feel like I notice those people for sure. Um, I think I actually brought that up in our motherhood episode. I was like, did you receive any pushback from leftists? Because like, I find that some people are like weird about it. Yeah, I've heard those arguments. I hadn't really like met anyone who was like, yeah, I am an antinatalist. But in preparing for this episode, I watched a lot of YouTube videos. Yes. Um, and a lot of them were like these weird incel men just being like, no one should have children. It is torture to be alive. And I was like, this is really intense. And um, it is torture. There's also this, like, I guess, irony episode of another podcast that I won't name, but it rhymes with Flappo. Um, <laughs> that, and they were just, like, laughing, being like, yeah, having kids is dumb. The only reason to have kids is if it's going to, like, save your relationship. And I was like... LOL, what the world needs more of is, like, groups of men talking about what women should do with their bodies. Thank you. Um, So mostly getting annoyed. But then I did find this episode of a podcast, which I definitely did not totally agree with, but it was, like, well thought out. Um, And it was called, like, well, the podcast is called Vegan Vanguard. And then the episode was, like, should vegans and leftists support antinatalism or something like that. Um, 
And, like, they made some interesting arguments. They were talking about um, this argument, I guess, amongst vegans that is like, but what if you have a kid and then your kid's not a vegan and then they cause harm? And it's like, being a vegan is not a harmless way of life. There's still a lot of consumerism. Like, a lot of vegan foods are, the way they're produced are bad for the environment and use, like, low-paid or trafficked workers. So it's not like being a vegan is, like, mitigating harm caused to the environment or to other um people but anyway yeah the other time i heard about this was in like a reproductive justice reading group we did um for Soshfem, and i forget what the hashtag is it's like some weird acronym but there's this hashtag that like these like yuppie white couples use um and they like travel and go on all these adventures and then they're like we were able to do this because like we don't have kids to worry about or like kids to pay for and which is also just like yeah you're like flying all the time you're like taking these like luxury vacations which are also terrible for the environment um yeah so yeah that's pretty much my knowledge of this topic (laughs) i mean i feel like there's there, so, um, you know, I was an environmental studies major in undergrad and there were a lot of like carbon footprint converse- conversations, like how to decrease your carbon footprint. Um, and like, of course, the main way that we know to decrease our carbon footprint is by overthrowing fucking capitalism. But like at the time, that wasn't really what people were teaching. I mean, I think it actually is more so now. But um, I think, you know, when people are in the we environmentally for so long, scientists and like people who maybe aren't scientists, but are like involved in the climate movement, um, Think about things in terms of greenhouse gas emissions, which like I get it right. That's the main driver behind warming. Um, However, there are a lot of other things at play. But when you think about in terms of like specifically like uh, release of methane and CO2 into the atmosphere, um, you know, people argued that it's like flying a plane, flying in a plane is really bad eating red meat especially is bad um, and having a kid is bad because that person is going to have a whole nother lifelong carbon footprint. Um, But again, that's looking specifically only at carbon and methane and also not taking into account like the rate at which people die. (laughs) Yeah. I also wanted to add that I was, I'm not like shitting on veganism. I've been a vegan in the past and like don't eat meat, but I also just think that it's not like, well, no, it's not a thing. Definitively, it's not like a harmless way of life. And there were so many videos that were like veganism and antinatalism because they're like talking about the like torture of being alive um so yeah i just wanted to clarify for any vegans out there don't don't yell at me yeah it's interesting the way that this (laughs) intersects with the environmental um arguments and things like that and listening to laura talk you know it's you can hear in that rhetoric and that's the same kind of stuff i learned in school too Mm -hmm. um you can hear how it's like based on this assumption that the world is going to make more people 
developing countries are going to want access to the same things that we're using, which use a ton of fossil fuels. And all of this is going to equal more pollution. And really, instead of like questioning the premise of like, why are we continuing to be reliant on fossil fuels or, or how do we make a world that sustains more people? Instead of like looking at that as the, the problem, we instead are like, well, we should just stop having children. And what's really bad to me about that, and I know like there's no guarantee that parents pass on their philosophy to their kids, but you have the people who are like the most woke about climate and environmental issues being the ones committing to not have kids. And then like the Duggars have 9 million fucking children that (laughs) a lot of them really care about the environment. I don't know. Maybe they do. So if they do, sorry, Duggars. But um. (laughs) But anyways, that seems to me like we're looking at the problem from the wrong way. And again, just Mm -hmm. making it such an individual, like you yourself are responsible for this instead of being like, wait, why is the whole system fucked? Yeah, I think it's like this extreme version of focusing on the consumption rather than the production. Mm -hmm. Like, oh, if I don't have children that aren't consuming these goods that cause pollution, then there will be less pollution Um, And although population has something to do with the amount of production we do, I still think, like you said, Hope, that's like where it's kind of backwards. Like we need to change the model of production no matter if some people stop having children or not. Um, If you choose not to eat meat, um, how much is the production of meat really going to lessen? But if we make a rule about the production of meat then that could make some real changes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that's really well said. Um, so we've kind of touched on this already, but to broaden it beyond environmentalism, uh, my question now is how does antinatalism intersect with isms like feminism and socialism and other kind of like movements? Um, I wrote this question why should we have children if they're taken by the capitalists to be killed metaphorically in work and by the militarists to be killed in reality as soldiers? This is just fucking like, I don't know, like what I get so confused by this argument because I, I think it's like, yeah, it sucks to live under capitalism. But at the same time, it's like I love fucking fighting capitalism and I love having the solidarity of people with me like in this fight and I think it's like I don't know it's an interesting like thought experiment to be like you're just killing people I mean like I personally don't know if I want to have kids or not I just don't know I think it probably will depend on a myriad of circumstances mostly like would I be able to afford having one and will I be in a situation where that would be something I would want but I think that's the point, right? It's like I get to make that choice and someone's not like fucking telling me what to do. Um, Yeah, yes. Yeah, go for it. Oh, Oh. well, I was just going to bring up like a similar thing in terms of how it intersects with feminism is like antinatalism is an anti-choice stance, not necessarily saying that antinatalists are like anti-choice, that they're anti-abortion, but Mm -hmm. it's like something that's contrary to trusting women to make their own decisions and is saying like, obviously the women who are like getting pregnant and having kids cannot decide for themselves or getting pregnant, having abortions, like either way, like can't decide for themselves, like how they want to handle that or if they want to at all. So I think anything that's like dictating or attempting to dictate or pass judgment on like women's decisions is a big red flag. And then 
something I wanted to bring up in terms of socialism, which isn't a direct answer, but it reminds me of like the birth strike, which occurred in Eastern Europe after the fall of socialism, um, when the rates of reproduction drastically went down because uh, people that had kids were used to having these like support systems of like universal childcare and healthcare and like a lot more support than we have under capitalism. Yeah. Um, which does not, I don't think that constitutes antinatalism because it was not like a moral uh, argument. It was just like they no longer felt like they had the means to have kids. So there is like a clear uh, relationship between motherhood and capitalism or socialism. Yeah. And I think kind of going back to the like the root of Hope's question of how does it intersect with feminism and socialism, like the way that Marx talks about having birth is that is the reproduction social reproduction yeah um so you know i don't know if y'all have ever seen that image where there's like women like there's babies coming out on a on a conveyor belt and like they're then like immediately shipped off to work and then they like go die or whatever um and so i think that's kind of like the argument (laughs) that uh hopes like that question about like being killed metaphorically to work you know i do think some marxists have this perspective because of the reproduction of labor and the social reproduction that occurs like through labor um because you know i guess there's like a feminist perspective that's like having kids is more likely to keep women in the home keep women like locked down into a certain Uh, situation because we still live under patriarchy um and I guess like the way that I think about pushing back on those things because it's like yes um having kids is you know having this social reproduction and also could change anyone's life who ends up having a, a kid in their life but at the same time like the ethical arguments against that would or like you know I guess if you take that argument to its end it would be like no one should continue to have kids because then capitalism won't have workers um but if there are no kids then there's no society so not only are there not workers, but there's no one to take care of people as they age. There's no one to like form the new society. So I I understand like the logical argument, but I feel like once you take the logical argument to its end, it doesn't it kind of like falls apart. I yeah. think also um, something we're kind of seeing in the US with all of the pushback on abortion and the awful assaults happening against women's rights right now. Um, and I don't think this is the only reason, but there definitely is this idea of like, oh, we're, we don't have enough white babies being born. We need to make it so that white women stop having abortions. That's like one line of thinking behind supporters of, of things like the assault on, on abortion we've seen recently. And so I think to me, this question, this idea of like, why bother having children? You should just not so that the capitalists don't have anything. If you don't overthrow capitalism, the capitalists are just going to make you have children. Yeah. Yep. I I think I was thinking about 
what maybe the p- different positions of antinatalism are. Yeah. Like, I think some antinatalists actually are like, we need to end humanity voluntarily by just completely not like children of mending ourselves voluntarily. Um, children of men being the movie where they can't have babies anymore. I think then there's like other groups of natalists, antinatalists that I think are a little bit more like, oh, like large groups of us need to commit to not having children to make like the population more manageable. Mm. Yeah. So this incel on YouTube explained this to me. There are like two kind of like philosophies of antinatalism, which are called misanthropic and philanthropic. And it's like the misanthropic, at least, okay, this is what this man on YouTube told me. So <laughs> this that's my source. <laughs> well, he, he might not be an insult. I just decided he was. But um, so like <laughs> misanthropic is like, like life sucks, humans suck, being alive sucks. And then philanthropic is more what we've been talking about with like the environment and like, you know, this is the right thing to do like for the earth or like for humanity. And the other is just like humanity sucks. Why would we keep creating this? <laughs> Why are any of us alive? I don't know. Uh-huh. Why do we keep getting up and living? Wow, that was depressing. <laughs> well, I just feel like with that, with the argument of like existence is so unbearable that we shouldn't have any children anymore. It's like, well, why? I don't know. We're humans. We want to be. I, I I don't know. Yeah, I think I don't know. I it's so interesting because like also if it's about like the actual having birth, like right, like from a feminist perspective, if you're adopting a kid or fostering a kid, your life is going to change regardless. And so that's not necessarily bringing new people into the world. That's more the idea of like motherhood um, mm-hmm. and what that means for you. And I think that it's like a decision that people make, right? Whether or not they want to be parents. And again, that goes back to that, like you are making a choice for your life. And like, of course your life changes when you decide to be a parent because you're taking care of another person. But like your life also changes when you age and if you have to take care of your older relatives, right? Like all of our lives change if we are connected to one another because the needs of other people around us change. And if we have the ability to to help take care of them, we probably will. Yeah. Well, and like the reproductive justice stance, which I think a lot of people just think reproductive justice is like another word for abortion access, which it's not. Um, It's the idea that like women and, you know, people that, have the ability to get pregnant, like should be able to choose whether or not they want to do that and then should have the support to be able to either way, like to have access to abortion or to have access to like the healthcare and childcare that you need and education for the kid and like all of those things. So it's, yeah. Yeah. I also think, and like not to, I don't want this to come off as me promoting being an irresponsible parent or anything because you want to give your kids (laughs) the best chance possible, but You know, in reflecting on this and thinking about my own baby and all of the generations who came before us on both sides, um, people have been having babies under really tough, terrible circumstances, born into a world that 
they, you know, not just weren't sure about, but they knew was going to be hard for their children. Mm-hmm. And I know it wasn't always like a conscious choice by people, but the the fact that that that's been done, those babies were cared for, and that's the reason that we're here. And so I very much have this idea in mind of like all of the generations before us who who did it, and I don't look down on them for doing it. And then it, it kind of irritates me that there's so much like hand wringing and despair and extra existential dread from people who, you know, are living in a time where we have like, in in some respects, the most opportunity, the most stability that, that we've had taking a long-term view of human history. Sure, Sure. And, and also the most potential to actually influence things, you know, the fact that we live in the United States as scary and as helpless as we feel means that we actually have like tremendous people power which is more than I can say for some of my child's ancestors. So that's just like a, a, my personal take on it. No, I think it's really important to remember that like the life expectancy was like really fucking low until somewhat recently. Um, and yeah, there, you know, if you are African American in the United States, you could you your ancestors were born under slavery um you know there's a lot there that like yes i think i think when we think about the issues of today you know 21st century problems the enormity of them the the internationality of them makes it feel like we're grasping at straws in terms of solving it right because it really does come down to overthrowing capitalism Whereas, like, maybe people in the past were like, we just need to overthrow slavery. Um, you know, of course, there were anti-capitalists at all times, but, you know, all times that capitalism existed. But I think that it, you're totally right and that it's more like we're in this, it is an existential thing because thinking about climate change and climate catastrophe and thinking about um, the far reaches of capitalism and dark money and like how that influences democracy and like how much agency we actually have and like systemic oppression, like all of these things are really overwhelming to think about all at once. Right. Um, and they're not, I don't think our brains are really capable of understanding the extent of the political and social issues of our time, which makes some people maybe have like this, like collapsing, perspective of like well then let's just stop it by stopping humans from existing yeah yeah also because um you mentioned enslaved people in the u.s a lot of i mean there's a large history of black women in the u.s and in other places um being like forcefully sterilized so there's also Mm -hmm. this whole like history and present to think about in terms of like when white people are anti-natalists, like, who do they think shouldn't be having kids? Which is another thing I was thinking of when watching this YouTube video, because this white (laughs) dude talking about it was talking about, like, well, in places, um, you know, with a lot of poverty, it's like, you know, if you have kids, you know they're going to be in poverty. And he's just, like, showing slides of, like, people of color in different places. And it's just like, what the, like, do you understand what you're saying? Because it's not, people are usually not telling, like, the people around you, like, oh, you're not the people that shouldn't exist. Yeah. So, yeah, I just think it's important to think of, like, who is told or very forcefully told that they they are the ones that should not reproduce. 
Yeah, of course, of course, there's going to be a racist component to it, too. Well, yeah, I mean, it was a bunch of incels and like it is a lot of incels, but yeah. Yeah. Okay, so, you know, a lot of the current perspective, like there's like an overpopulation argument to it. Um, You know, people are like, we are running out of fucking room. We're running out of, we don't, we already don't have enough resources to feed our population. We already don't have enough um, resources to house our population. You know, all these kind of arguments about population. Um, And, you know, there, this matters in a geographical context, of course. Um, But this author named Mike, this author and scholar named Mike Davis, um, takes a pretty like nihilist he's a, he's an urban studies uh person so he um made this book called planet of the slums or planet of slums and i keep i always want it to be planet of the slums but it's really just planet of slums anyway so uh his perspective is like um, more than 1 billion people live within slum conditions, um, you know, generally on the outskirts of major cities. And this kind of has come into be, uh, you know, he got, kind of goes into how it's come into be. But like there, I think there is this perspective of like, how can we create more people when we on a global level have such a hard time uh, having the resources and housing that we need for these people and you know when when he's talking about slums he's talking about like literal cardboard and like uh trash picked like built houses on the outskirts of major cities around the world and you know for me when I think about this I guess we're kind of talking about urbanization I don't want to go too down far down this rabbit hole but I've been thinking about like this in light of this antinatalist perspective. But the real issue there is the drivers that are driving people into cities. So that is the increase in climate change, which is making a lot of arable land not arable any longer. It's also um, the major pushes of the international uh, or the international like uh, economic drivers. So the International Monetary Fund, the World Bank, things like this, where uh, these countries uh, generally like uh, more global south countries are uh, asking for loans from the IMF. And the IMF is like, cool, cool, cool. But as long as you invest in these, we'll give you that loan, but you got to invest in these industries um, that are... uh, like going to push a lot of your population into the cities. So when countries that had such large agrarian populations, which is a lot of the global South, um, are being pushed into cities because the international economic system is pushing these people into cities to work in factories, to pay off their country's debt to generally the United States, um, That is like a larger issue that is not wrapped up in more humans existing, right? But like, I think people, when they're looking at it within like a very specific perspective, are looking at it in terms of population and not looking at it in terms of like the drivers of what is causing those 
demographic changes to happen. But also we do have plenty of food and like, yes, yes, all major cities have so much empty housing. Like it's not that we don't have the resources. We're not distributing them. Yes. Oh, thank you for snapping. (laughs) Oh yeah. You're welcome. (laughs) I like that. Yeah. And I think, not to sound too um, tech bro or like the solution is with the technology, but one counter argument to a little bit of what you said is that urban centers also become places of tremendous like technological growth and development. There's a lot of potential there yeah. if you remove some of the economic pressures to come up with better systems because you, you can do things really efficiently with so many people yeah. um, and you can scale them up really easily in a way that you can't do um, with more rural areas. So there's there's a lot of potential there, even if everyone did want to live really close with each other. It's just that the world isn't set up to work that way. There's no real incentive to do that. And, you know, we're shit at moving our resources around. Totally. Um, well, this is fascinating. Um, <laughs> <laughs> this is going so much better than I thought. I really was just like, I want to know about this. Let me ask the smartest people I know. So ah! this is super fun for me. Um, Once again, those people couldn't be here with us. (laughs) 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 I never gets old. But it went okay anyway. Hey, do you all know what makes a joke a dad joke? What? It's a parent. Oh! Oh, (laughs) Have you told that joke before? (laughs) Probably. I'm going to get tattooed on my arm. I think I've definitely heard this before. Oh, yeah, yes. But I don't think so. I don't know when I would have told it to you. Maybe when I first met you. That would be weird. Are you going to get the question on one arm and the punchline on the other? Ooh, that would be so good. I was thinking my butt, but sure, arms. Yes. Oh, my God. (laughs) Wait, like the question on one cheek and the the punchline on the other? Yep. Wow, sexy. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) Amazing. Um, All right. So... There's, I th- we've been through a lot of the things I think we wanted to talk about. Um, mm-hmm. There is another point about um, dating and antinatalism and how that comes up. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know if other people had this issue, but like for me, I find, well, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. I just don't know. Dating is a shit show, first of all, but second of all. I just feel like people are very quick to be like, do you want kids? Do you not want kids? I need to know. And like, yes, that is an important thing to like know off the bat, because like if you really want or don't want kids, it's good that you're probably with someone who feels the same way. But I do find with leftists, like the conversation expands even more to like in ways that for me as someone who's like, I don't know, I guess I could go either way on these things personally based on like, I don't know what my little future holds. Um but, like, I find it also comes up with marriage. Like, and so I, I guess I didn't know, like, how hand-in-hand hand from the leftist perspective of antinatalism, like, those people are anti-marriage. Because it seems like when I've heard people making antinatalist arguments on the left that they are also kind of, like, against the institution of marriage. And it's like, yeah, I understand the reasons why, like, we don't want to we don't need the state to like concretize your love or whatever. I get that from like a mental perspective, but at the same time, I feel like there is, 
there's so many factors that go into that shit. And like, I feel like when we talk about it, it is like very black and white. Like I would never do this because of it being an institutional thing. It's like, I hear you. And also there, there are other reasons. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. I like don't particularly want to get married or have kids. Like I never really have, um, partially well I don't know at for a lot of reasons but um I do really want a black diamond ring so like I would like an engagement ring um and I kind of want to have a wedding I just don't really want to be like married um yeah I want to so have anyway. a party where everyone I know and love <laughs> is there to like celebrate love like that sounds fun yeah but also similar to what you were saying like depending on circumstances or like if I was with someone that was like, I really want these things. I'm not like, I'll never do that. I'm just like, it's never been something that I've been like, I want that. Yeah. But who knows? Yeah, I think, you know, that's, that's fair and valid. Some of it to me, just anecdotally depends on like how old you are, how old the people you're dating are, what kind of like life circumstances they're in, how stable they're feeling. Um, I also think for, and this is not to say that everybody should want to have kids, or I'm assuming that they do, because that's totally rad to not have kids. Um, but I think for a lot of people I know, if they grew up really solidly middle class, and now they feel more like, like more unstable, mm-hmm. they're less likely to want to have kids because yes. they can't imagine raising kids in anything that feels less stable than what they knew. Yes. But interestingly, like my friends who grew up more poor, have been more willing to have kids, even though they're like, yeah, you know, things are not the most stable, but I know, I know how to get through it. I know we can rely on my family. Like they seem to have a more degree of comfort with instability than my other friends. That makes a ton of sense just for my own intuition and my experience. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Yeah. I'm like, oh yeah, you can raise kids through anything. Like they'll totally stay alive. It's fine. Yeah, exactly. Um, I know that's like, that's kind of how um, my partner is. He's like, we, you know, grew up working class and we had harder times, but we always looked out for each other and everybody did okay. And they're doing better now actually than they did growing up. So to him now doesn't seem any more perilous than then. Um, But I think if you grew up like middle or upper middle class, then for a lot of people, they're just like, no, but, but what happens if something bad happens? So I see a lot of that happening. And so it might just depend on, like, what happens with our country. If we can overthrow capitalism and, like, actually distribute some wealth and people feel like they can breathe, I I wouldn't be surprised if some of the people, like, you're dating and talking to don't start seeing it as more of a possibility for them. Mm -hmm. Um, And then there will be people who don't want to have kids, and that's awesome. Yeah. So, but maybe don't tell other people what to do, you know, <laughs> if that's your choice, don't do that. <laughs> don't, don't tell. Right. Them. Exactly. Like, I'm not, I hope, hope, you know, I'm aware. I'm not saying that to you. I'm saying like talking oh, yeah, to the people yeah. that, okay. <laughs> hope literally has a baby. No, no, I know. <laughs> Too late. I can't do the wiki how about how to be an antinatalist. Cause the person is don't have a baby. So if only you had seen it sooner. Yes. They got to give you the broccoli before you have the baby. I missed something in the steps. Terrible. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah. Maybe if you ate more broccoli, you would. Yeah, I think right now, Hope. I think that's how that works. Yeah. Um, but no, you no, I don't think it's personal. And you make a solid point. Um, but, you know, that's a good way to weed out douchebags that you're dating. So there's that. 
you know, they're almost all douchebags. <laughs> <laughs> Is your Tinder profile just for your likes? Like, I like uninformed opinions that you put on other people. Mm-hmm. Is that why you this mm-hmm. happening to you? I, I think my I, Tinder I, bio just says, you gotta be a leftist. <laughs> yeah, it does, because I helped make your Tinder. Well, I helped your Tinder. And then at the bottom, it should just say, P.S., don't tell me what to do. Oh, yes. Yeah, I should My best friend's Tinder bio just says socialist, like, period, feminist, period, asshole, period, which I think is a great bio for her. Mm. Hell yeah. Is she having <laughs> success with that? Um, she's not not having success. <laughs> I mean, weird messages, but, like, don't we all? Define success on Tinder. Oh, yeah. yeah. I mean, like, what is success on Tinder? I feel like <laughs> I, anytime someone messages me, I'm, like, annoyed at them. I'm like, wait, why are we actually going through with this? <laughs> I When I was doing online dating, which is how I met my partner, um, I had a weird approach. So I had almost no information in my profile. It was very sparse. I put uh, three pictures of myself, two of which were terrible, unflattering pictures of myself. Uh, and one that was like a normal, pretty good picture of myself. And then when people messaged me, if I thought their picture was cute and I got like any kind of good vibe in our first like one or two messages, we would just meet for coffee. I did not message anybody more than like two exchanges. Mm, an interesting take. Yeah. I, uh, it was just I, Vanessa Carlton lyrics and it worked, you know? <laughs> I, you, wait, did you get to go on a date with Vanessa Carlton? No, but, like, all these people, like, specifically men, but, like, people in general would message me being, like, this is ironic, right? And I was, like, no, I very unironically love Vanessa Carlton. I don't. (laughs) Why why would this be an irony? (laughs) Yes. I had a lot of, like, matches. Laura, it's funny that you say that because, like, I would get matches and then people would message me and I would not answer. Yeah. (laughs) And then sometimes, like, guys would be, like, why... Did you swipe right if you don't want to talk to me? And I, I have for the to attention. Say, I would yes, a, but I you can't you can't tell them the truth. It's too hurtful, so you just can't answer. I feel like everyone I know on Tinder is there for the attention, but yes, okay. Sorry, well, continue. the real answer is I looked closer. Uh... <laughs> <laughs> I was swiping, having the time of my life, drunk, horny. And then, like you do, and then we match, and you sent me a message, and then I opened up your profile, and I like looked carefully. Mm, yes, maybe you should just say that. I took another look, and I don't think this is a good idea. Ooh, you know how like there's different. I'm dating, sober now. You know how there's like a dating app for like conservatives and like all these different dating apps. Is there a dating app for antinatalists? <gasps> Oh my God! Hold like, on, I'm be. not even muting it to type this in. I was I'm, also about I to want, do that. <laughs> I want you to hear me. Click. Well, there's a there's a subreddit like dating site. So you people for... meet on that subreddit and like start fucking. Oh yeah. <laughs> okay. So I found a subreddit about this. Yeah, dating for antinatalists. Yeah. We have. Wow, I like that she says I'm considered attractive if Tinder is any indicator. Oh, it's not. What? Yes, 
approval. Definitely. If people trying to sleep with me on Tinder telling me I'm hot means I'm hot, then I am hot. Very hot. I see this article that came up for some reason called Antinatalism as Revolution in the Anarchist Library. And I have to say, I hate it. Is it written by a man? It's written by Anonymous. Mm, that usually means man. It's pretty not, not when it's anonymous, but when it's like something like that kind of topic. I feel like it's usually a man who's like, I don't want people to know a man wrote it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Okay. Um, well, does anyone have anything else to add? I feel like this has been surprisingly been so good. fun. Well, that's apparently it for this week's show. <laughs> they all said meh and ended the episode. Everyone agreed this has been great and then said meh, so we're done. Um, yeah. Comments on like the vegan Vanguard one where like these people on YouTube being like, these women do not know what they're talking about. They clearly don't know what antinatalism is. Uh, Tell um, those people to fuck the hell off. (laughs) We will see what comments we get. Just kidding. We don't want any comments. Thank you. I will not be really reading the comments on this episode. (laughs) (laughs) Oh my gosh. That's hilarious. Please don't comment if it's going to be mean. We hate that. Um, Anyways, I love how I said, is there anything else? And everyone said, Matt, and now y'all have things to say. No, we're just bantering. (laughs) Just bantering. Once I feel like I didn't have the option to keep adding more, I thought of more. I think that's what happened. You're like, oh, wait. (laughs) Um, Okay, well, this has been fantastic. Thanks for listening. Um, you can find us on iTunes and other podcast platforms. We love if you listen, rate, review on iTunes. That helps us out a bunch. We have a website at seasonofthebee.com. Uh, we got some merchy things up there. Anything else I'm missing, friends? Mm-mm. Sign up for our cool. Patreon because we got some cool stuff going on right now. And also because like we need your money so that we can do bigger, cooler stuff. Yeah. Cool. Well, love you guys. Bye. Love you. Bye. Love you. Bye. Season of the Big.